Hey y'all, welcome to Your Best Pet, Conversations with a Vet. My name is Dr. D, and I am here to educate you on the important topics you didn't know you needed to know. Communication is the key in any relationship, and I believe with my whole heart that if you are educated in a way that you can understand, that'll make you the best pet parent you can be. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Your Best Pet, Conversations with a Vet. I'm that vet, Dr. D. All right, so today um, we are going to be talking about another fuzzy little creature that I do like a lot, um, ferrets. Ferrets are cute, they are curious, they have this adorable little run that they do when they are excited or scared about something. Um, They're messy, they stink, and they like to poop in corners. These are things I know about ferrets. (laughs) All right, so today um, I figured we would do kind of our basic uh, get to know a ferret, how to take care of a ferret, husbandry type stuff. Um, and let's dive in. So, uh, ferrets are typically small. They're going to be between one and five pounds, usually about one or two pounds. That's typically normal. Um, their lifespan can be anywhere from, I would say, four to 10 years. Most, uh, sources are going to say seven to 10 years. But in my experience, an old ferret is a seven to eight year old ferret just because of health issues and genetics and all that fun stuff. Rarely have I heard about ferrets living as old as 11 years old, but um, it's not to say it doesn't happen. I've just never seen it. So um, typically expect, you know, four to, to, I would say eight years. A majority of ferrets in the United States are going to be sourced from a little place called Marshall Farms. Marshall Farms does um, the majority of the breeding and distribution for the United States as well as several other countries. Um, And uh, they also do all their own spaying, neutering, um, descenting, diets, all that good stuff. So, decent place to get a ferret if you get a ferret from like a petco or a uh, pet store chances are they are a marshall farms ferret um those ferrets are denoted by a tattoo in their right ear yep they are tatted up with two blue dots and that's going to indicate that they're either spayed or neutered and they're descented meaning their scent glands have been taken out that is what makes ferrets super smelly. Um, they are in the Mustelidae family. Mustelid meaning musty and grody. Um, but uh, just because they're descented doesn't mean they don't still smell a little musty. Um, so just keep that in mind if you are going to have a ferret. Um, other types of ferrets that I have seen in practice are going to be Uh, Canadian ferrets or Norwegian ferrets. So um, ferrets are typically categorized by their coat, uh, their coat type, their coat color, uh, their markings, or their size. 
um, or where they come from. So there are a number of different categories that you can throw a ferret into. And then if you're identifying them, you're identifying based on their size, their um, where they came from, slash uh, their markings. So like the three sizes are going to be basically small, medium, and large, but they're called Whippet, Standard, or Bulldog. And your Whippet is going to be that American Petite Marshall Farms Classic Ferret um, with the sleek face. A Standard is going to be like a European ferret. Um, it's going to be a rabbit hunting ferret. Um, that's what they were bred for. And then there's the the standard is kind of like the Canadian. They're they're a little similar. And then the bulldog is going to be your Northern European, Norwegian, big chunker ferret. Um, that is just classification. It's not the end-all be-all. Again, majority of your ferrets are going to be Marshall Farms ferrets. You're not really going to see the other guys. Um I have noticed that lately Marshall Farms is breeding a little bit bigger than what they used to, um, and they have been a bit healthier too. Um, just side note. Um, ferrets um, are known as big sleepers. They sleep probably 20 hours a day, majority of the time, but they can adapt to your schedule. So if you're home all the time and they're super um, involved in what you're doing. They can have longer waking hours. It just depends on their lifestyle. Um, they are typically sold around eight weeks old. Um, and typically when they are sold, again, they're already spayed or neutered and descented. I don't typically have to do those procedures, so um, it's not something that we usually worry about. Um, if for some reason you are getting it from outside the US or from a different breeder or source, um, you will wanna find a veterinarian who does spays and neuters. They're just not common, so um, it's just not something that we have to do very often. Um, the descented part is the most important to me, I think, because they can be rather smelly creatures. Um, Okay, let's jump in. Let's jump into vaccines because I feel like this is the question that everybody always has when it comes to ferrets. Um, so there are two major vaccines that we give to ferrets. There is the distemper vaccine. Um, typically, you're getting the distemper vaccine uh, twice and then you get it once a year. So they get it the very first time right when you get them. They get a booster um, typically, typically three to four weeks later, sometimes as soon as two weeks later, it just depends on your veterinarian. Um, I will usually do it about three weeks later, just so their immune system has time to rebound and, and do its thing. Um, when they are sold, uh, so Marshall Farms, when they do their spay and neuter and descenting procedure, they also give the first vaccine. So if you're getting a ferret that is eight weeks old, fresh from Marshall Farms, um, just got sold to a pet store, um, and they are relatively young, and you get that little piece of paper from Marshall Farms that it says their birthday and what they've had done, they usually have a date range on it for when they had the first vaccine. And then if you can get the booster 
um, within a typical time frame. So within, you know, two to four weeks after the initial vaccine, then you don't have to do a booster. It does depend on when you get them. And nine times out of 10, we've lost that booster window. So we end up having to do it again, which is not the end of the world. It's just an additional vaccine. Um, when they're young, the recommended vaccine window is at eight weeks old, 11 weeks old, and then 14 weeks old. Um, so you do want to get those boosters in. They, they just, nine times out of 10, they're not sold right away. And so you lose that booster window and then you end up having to start over. So just keep that in mind, um, when you're budgeting for a ferret. Um, December vaccine. The problem with the December vaccine is we used to not have a ferret specific one. We used to use, uh, they had it and then they stopped making it for a while. So we were using a canine distemper vaccine, but it was causing a lot of reactions and that is, um, not safe. It's not safe for ferrets when they have vaccine reactions, it can be a big deal. So, um, that's, that's usually when we have the biggest problem with them. So um, now we have the ferret specific distemper and we have way less vaccine reactions. Knock on wood because uh, we do give ferret vaccines quite frequently and um, I don't ever want anything to happen. So what I usually do when I'm giving this vaccine is I make them wait in hospital for 10 to 20 minutes after they get the shot so I can make sure they're not going to have a severe anaphylactic reaction right away. Um, so if your veterinarian is taking a long time to give a vaccine and you're wondering why, that's probably why. They want to make sure that we're not going to have a vaccine reaction right away um, and that it's safe for you to go ahead and go home. Uh, the second vaccine we typically give is the rabies vaccine. Yes, it is legally required that ferrets get the rabies vaccine. Um, even if they're indoor only, they're not going anywhere. You still have friends come over to the house. You still have people that are interacting with ferrets that could potentially be bit. And there is a ferret specific rabies vaccine. Um, if you look at the tray of vaccines, um, for, uh, certain kinds of, um, rabies vaccines and you, you look at the, the front, there's usually a picture of a dog, a cat and a ferret. Um, and the, the ferret is, is important. Um, typically, uh, what we do with the rabies vaccine and ferrets is they do have to be vaccinated once a year, every year for that rabies. Um, even though it's a three-year vaccine for a dog or a cat. The reason why is because the vaccine was not tested in ferrets longer than a year. So they never checked titers at year two and year three. So we don't know how long it lasts in a ferret. We do know that their titers go down a little bit after year one. So it is recommended that they do get it once a year, every year. That's what I know. So, um... Let's jump into vaccine reactions because I do think that that is important and that's a big deal when it comes to these guys. Um, vaccine reactions, what I typically see, um, what alerts me to a vaccine reaction is usually drooling, swelling of their face or feet, sudden vomiting, seizures, or death. Death obviously sounds 
extreme and super concerning, right? But um, what happens is, is if they are going to have a severe reaction to a vaccine, it's usually right away. I have seen drooling and vomiting most commonly. I have seen one kid who had facial swelling um, and swelling of the feet. Um, and you know, we what we do when they have a vaccine reaction is we give them um, diphenhydramine, which is an antihistamine, and that is to lessen their the body's reaction to that vaccine. That usually takes care of it. Sometimes we do give a steroid injection to try and help calm the severity of the reaction. It depends on what they're doing um, and how extreme it is. I have seen a ferret that seized um, and tried to die, and it was very scary. Um, that was back when we were still using the canine distemper, and that was probably, gosh, maybe 10 years ago. But um, that being said, we have not seen those extremes as of late. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, there's not a bad batch or something bad that happens or a kiddo who's just super sensitive. Um, but those are the things that we typically watch for. Um a ferret can die from a vaccine reaction, so we do want to make sure that we are paying attention, at least for the first 24 hours after a vaccine, once you get home. We watch them for the 10 to 20 minutes because that is when they're most likely to show a reaction, but I have had them go home and on the drive home start having a reaction, and that would be 30 or 45 minutes after the appointment. So, Keep that in mind. Um, you want to make sure that you're around, you're paying attention, you're watching. Um, those are going to be your important things that you want to be paying attention to. So, um, all right. Now for the other super fun part, and that is diet. Uh, ferret diets can be super confusing um, just in general because there are a whole bunch of different kinds and there's a bunch of if you google it there's feed this not that feed that not this um and it's a whole hoopla <laughs> i guess is what i call it um so th there are a couple that i will typically recommend routinely but for the most part you want to pay attention to how much protein is in the diet so um Let's just jump in. <laughs> there are, uh, ferrets are carnivores. So they do need a high level of protein, but not as high as a cat. So cats are gonna have a higher protein percentage than a ferret would. Um, and that's important for their kidneys. Um, you wanna make sure that um, you're feeding, I prefer to feed a ferret specific diet just because I know it's a lot safer. Um, Ferret kibbles that you can find on the market um, that are pretty solid uh, is one called Pretty Pets. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, Pretty Pets Gold, I believe is what it's called. Um, and it's just a basic kibble, but it does have a decent balance of protein and fats. Um, uh, Ysong Epigen, not the grain-free one, the regular one. <laughs> There are different ones. Wysong makes a couple of grain-free um, variations, but you want the one that has grain in it. Yes, even though they're a carnivore, we'll jump into that in a little bit. Uh, other diets that I've seen that are pretty good, uh, Innova EV-0, or 
EV-O. Um, I have yet to figure out if it's a zero or an O, I'm not really sure, but uh, EVO. Um, that Innova, uh, I-N-N-O-V-A. Pretty solid diet, um, and that is a good option for you. The protein percentage that you want is around 50%, so 50 to 52%. That's gonna be a good amount for you um, as far as a protein balance. Um, a lot of people will try and just feed cat food to their ferret because they're both carnivores, why not? Um, cat food, um, basically the reason why you don't wanna feed it is that you need a lower carb food and a high protein. So you want, if you're gonna feed a cat food, you want something for like, say a diabetic cat. So Purina DM or Hills MD, those are gonna be better diets for you than just your basic cat chow. Um, okay, grain-free diets. Here is why grain-free diets are ill-advised in a ferret. There's a number of reasons why they're ill-advised in a dog, and I think I'm gonna do an entire episode on diets, so stay tuned. Um, Grain-free diets in ferrets, the reason why we don't recommend feeding them is because we found that a lot of grain-free diets are causing bladder stones in ferrets. About 10 years ago, uh, when I was doing externships and, and, you know, visiting different clinics and figuring out exactly what I wanted to do. I was working at a clinic up in Seattle and we were seeing an excessive number of bladder stones and ferrets. And what we found was it was because they were feeding grain-free diets. Those bladder stones were specific kind of stone called cysteine, which is a rare form of stone that can be found in cats and dogs, but it's super rare in cats and dogs. And it's very common in ferrets because of the type of diets that were being produced at the time. Most of these ferrets were on a grain-free diet. Um, and what we were finding was if it had fruit or pea protein, we were finding that it was causing bladder stones. Um, pea protein is a common substitute for um, grain and a lot of times you'll see that on the label. I think it's if it's pea or potato. Um, but regardless, those it was the pea protein that we were seeing most commonly with the bladder stones. So um, you want to avoid um, you want to avoid grain-free diets just in general. Um, it's usually not a good idea. There's a lot of marketing behind it, but not a lot of substance. And in my opinion, you're not doing them any favors. They do need the extra carbs. They do need the extra calories, um, even though they're carnivores. So keep that in mind. Feed a diet that has grain in it. Just say no to the marketing ploys. I know that it says it's better for them, but it's really not. Um, you'll end up having more problems, and then you'll have to take a trip to the vet to find out that they have bladder stones, and then you have to pay an extraordinarily amount of money for... Uh, a cystotomy or a bladder stone removal, which is a whole big thing in and of itself. So just say no. Um, when it comes to treats, um, most people feed like a little uh, gel. Um, it's called, oh man, what is it called? Ferrovite, that's what it's called. 
um, ferrovite or ferritone. Uh, those are going to be a little too high in sugars, um, but they are a good option for like getting them to focus, like when you're trying to give them a vaccine or something like that. Um, but you don't want to do them all the time. Um, and typically they're not super recommended, so don't do them all the time. <laughs> Uh, you want to avoid um, nuts and fruits. Those are going to be really high in sugars. Um, basically, you want to avoid high sugar foods because their, their pancreases are not super strong. Um, and so the ups and the downs of the sugars uh, don't react well with their system. Um, a good supplement that you can use would be like a salmon oil. That's going to be decently safe. Um, they're pretty, for the most of my clients don't even feed treats to their ferrets just because they don't like them. Um, so it's not typically something that I recommend on a routine basis. Um, you can use a piece of kibble as a treat um, and, and they usually go for that just fine. Just so you're aware. Um, you don't want them to end up getting overweight anyway because they have these little tiny legs and a big long body and they have to be able to support all of that weight and so if they do get overweight we don't see it very often but if they do get overweight it'll be a lot of pressure on their joints so um some nice uh, salmon oil as a treat every now and then it works just fine um okay well that's the basics of diet if you have any questions about diet specifically you can always dm me um, your best pet podcast on Instagram. Um, you can DM me there and ask your question. Um, and I'd be happy to answer it. I can always answer it on the next pod. Um, as far as, let's see, what are we missing? Oh, maintenance. We should probably go over ferret maintenance. What do you have to do routinely with a ferret to take care of them? That would be a great thing to go over. <laughs> um, Ferret maintenance, The mainly what you're going to end up needing to do is nail trims. Um, trimming their nails routinely. I've got two ferrets that are in religiously every three months. They get their nails trimmed. They're good kids. We trim their nails. We walk away. The owners don't feel comfortable doing it on their own. Most of my clients do nail trims on their own. I don't typically have to go back and do them. Um, so... Trimming nails, um, sometimes cleaning out their ears. Their ears can get a little grody. Um, they can get ear mites. Um, on occasion, we'll see that. I only typically see that right after they somebody gets a ferret. Um, I don't typically see it down the road. Um, usually, it's taken care of initially, and then we don't have a problem with it. Um, but sometimes, they may need their ears cleaned. So, um little cotton swab around the outside. Don't go into their ear, just around the outside, scooping out the gunk. Um, and lastly, their teeth. Ferrets are known for their bites. Um, they can be pretty vicious when they wanna be. I've only been attacked by a ferret one time, um, and it was a ferret who was never handled, and, and that kiddo, that kid had some problems. Um, but their teeth can get a fair bit of tartar on them, just like a cat or a dog would. So teeth brushing is always a good idea if they'll let you. Most of the time they will, um, because they like to play and they like, you know, biting things and, you know, whatnot. So, um, I like the little finger brushes, um, that you use for like a cat or a dog. 
those work perfectly fine just to do a little teeth scrub. Um, sometimes they will need a dental procedure where they break a tooth and, and it needs to be removed or they just need a routine teeth cleaning. A lot of the times that is when they do get a little bit older. Um, it's not something that I typically have to do routinely, um, but every now and then there's a kid who needs some help. So um, all you have to do is flip up their lip and take a look at the teeth toward the back and that's gonna tell you the degree of tartar, how bad it is and what needs to happen. Nine times out of 10, there's a minimum amount of tartar on there or minimal amount of tartar on there and there's not much that actually needs to be done, but um, just so you're aware, that's something to be looking at. Um, so we are we're about 25-ish minutes into this. Um, the big thing about ferrets and the reason why they don't live a super long amount of time is because they get certain kinds of diseases. And so I thought I would bring that here just so you know what to expect when they get older. Um, ferrets are known cancer factories. They love to make little tumors inside their body. Um, I feel like that is the most common issue that we have with ferrets. And that's probably, aside from vaccines, that's the number one reason why I see ferrets um, regularly. It's because they do end up with, with certain kinds of cancers. Um, the three major kinds that I see routinely are um, insulinomas. Insulinomas has to do with a little tumor on their pancreas. Um, and what you end up seeing is a super low blood sugar and they're really wobbly and weak. The problem with insulinomas is there's not much you can do about them. I had a boss previously who would go in and remove a portion of the pancreas if he could find it. Um, and if he could find the little lump that was there, and sometimes that's curative. Sometimes that takes care of the problem. Um, so long as they have a little portion of pancreas left behind, you know, sometimes that can work. It doesn't always. And that's the kicker is a lot of times these tumors are microscopic. They are very tiny and they are hard to deal with. So you end up supplementing, um, foods and giving them um, extra meals and making sure that their blood sugar doesn't drop, um, kind of like a diabetic, but in reverse. So that's that's one. Um, if we have a ferret that comes in that's flat out, um, like super out of it, really lethargic, on his side, not really doing well, and I check his blood sugar and it's really low, and I put a little bit of Cairo syrup on their gums and they pop right back up, most of the time that's diagnostic for an insulinoma. So that's what I think about. Um, the second kind of cancer that I see is an adrenal tumor. Um, adrenal tumors, um, what you typically see with an adrenal tumor is hair loss. Usually it's bilaterally symmetrical, which means it's identical on both sides of their body. So there's hair loss that matches from side to side down their trunk, down their, their sides, um, and they have a naked tail. A naked tail is pretty classic for an adrenal gland tumor. <clears throat> um, 
There is a relatively easy fix for this, um, and it's called birth control. Yes, you heard me right. We do give ferrets a kind of hormone supplement called Desirelin. It's a little implant that we put uh, between their shoulder blades. Um, typically, I, I have read that ferrets over three years old should have a Desirelin implant applied. I don't necessarily believe that because I don't like pumping them full of hormone for no reason. But if they are showing signs of an adrenal gland tumor, that is the recommendation. Now, the problem with the Desirelin implants is they can be expensive and they can be hard to get your hands on because they, they were only making a small amount of them for a long period of time and it was hard to find. Um, and then they would only give you a certain allotment every year. I don't remember, I don't know if they're still doing that. Um, I haven't had to do it in a minute. Um, but um, they, they were hard to get your hands on. So a lot of people were just kind of letting it ride until we could get an implant and then they would get it done and then they would feel better. And then the kicker with the implant is that it has to be replaced every year. So then you have to go in and remove it and then put a new one in. So that can make it tough. Um, and if they do have the, it kind of keeps the tumor at bay because it keeps the hormones in check, but it's not the end all be all. Um, it's not going to make the tumor go away. Uh, the tumor is still there, right? And it's still growing a little bit. It slows down the growth a little bit, but not, not all the way. So you still have cancer. You're just balancing the hormones a little bit to try and lessen the side effects, I guess is the best way to describe that. Um, the last one, the, the last kind of cancer that I see most frequently in ferrets is lymphoma. And unfortunately, lymphoma comes in a few different forms. Um, most commonly, you see signs of like IBD or inflammatory bowel disease or diarrhea. Um, and, and it's usually a diarrhea that doesn't resolve with the typical, um, the typical treatments. So it can be hard to diagnose but once they start showing signs, it's typically everywhere and there's not much that you can do to make it go away. Um, sometimes I'll put them on steroids and that helps for a little bit, but it doesn't help forever. Um, same, same like in cats, cats get that too. So um, that is, those are the kinds of cancers that I see. Um, other things that I see most frequently with ferrets are things like parasites, um, fleas, being number one, uh, and ear mites following closely at number two. Um, ear mites are easy to diagnose. You take a swab from their ear, you put it with a little bit of mineral oil on a slide and look at it under the microscope, and you can see the creepy crawlies uh, crawling around on your microscope. Uh, sometimes I can see them with my naked eye. Um, I can, eh, sometimes I can have hawk eyes where I, you know, take a swab and I hold it up to the light and you can kind of see them moving. Creepy, disgusting. Owners do not appreciate it when you show them this. So, you know, maybe don't. But um, that is a fun fact. Um, and then fleas, obviously we see flea dirt um, and we see uh, flea, uh, flea dirt is flea poop, um, which is gross, but it is what it is. 
Um, if you take the flea poop and you put it on a cotton ball um, and you put a little alcohol on it, you'll see it kind of smear blood. That's how you know it's flea poop and not dirt. Um, we call it flea dirt just because it's it looks like dirt, but it's from the fleas, so, you know, flea dirt. Um, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Uh, what we do about fleas is we put them on a flea prevention, just like you do with your cat and dog. Uh, most of the time, ferrets that get fleas have a, another, they have another pet in the household. So they usually get it from like the family dog or the family cat. Um, and most of the time, if you put the dog or the cat on prevention, and most of the time, you just have to do a single dose of prevention on the ferret. Um, they're not the natural host, so they're not going to um, want to live on the ferret long term. Um, so if you kill the ones that are on it and then take care of the source, which would be the cat or the dog, you're usually good to go. You usually don't have to have your ferret on flea prevention year round. Um, I know some veterinarians that do recommend it and that's a-okay. Um, I don't because they're not the natural host, so I don't tend to need to keep them on it if we can keep the other pets in the household on prevention. That's usually the better way to go. Um, okay, that's it for parasites. Last but not least, um, the other most common disease I see in ferrets is foreign bodies. Uh, foreign body, quote unquote, is basically anything that gets stuck in the stomach or the intestines uh, or a foreign object or something they should not have eaten. Um, you have to be careful with ferrets that are free roaming. Free roaming means they wander around the house unsupervised. If a ferret is walking around and you're supervising it, then great, but you have to make sure you're watching that they're not putting things in their mouths. The most common thing that I see ferrets swallow on a routine basis, are you ready for it? Drum roll, please. Earbuds. Whether it is the Apple um, earbuds, the ear, the, oh my goodness, the AirPods, whoo, there we go. Um, or the earbuds that they, you put in your ear because your partner is snoring and you're trying to noise cancel, uh, like, you know, the little rubber orange ones, vast majority of the time, that is what the ferret ate. Do not ask me why. I think it has something to do with earwax, but it's disgusting. It happens. And it does get stuck in their intestines because it's too big. Um, that is an emergency. So um, if a ferret is vomiting and having diarrhea or not eating or being super lethargic, your veterinarian will probably feel the stomach, feel a lump or a bump that's not supposed to be there, and then recommend an x-ray. The x-ray is going to show, um, sometimes you can see the foreign object in there and sometimes you can't. Um, the foreign object, the, the, the little foam pieces, you can't really see on x-ray, but you can see the effect of them. Sometimes you can see the outline of them and that's kind of cool, but... Um, most of the time you see something that looks stuck and then you see a whole bunch of gas behind it. And that tells me that there's bacteria that's building up and that bacteria is producing gas, right? That's what they do. 
So the excess of gas tells me something's stuck. Um, and that usually means emergency surgery. So um, do not leave earbuds. Do not leave noise-canceling headphones. They will chew uh, foam, like your couch foam, or um, packing peanuts, those little foam pieces. Um, foam and rubber seem to be the things that they just super enjoy swallowing. Don't know why. It's really gross. Don't let them do it. Um, you also want to make sure that there are no electrical cords that they can chew on. Um, just like a, you know, kids sticking their finger in an electrical socket, the ferret will chew an electrical cord and shock themselves. Um, so if they're going to be free roaming, they have to be supervised and you have to ferret proof your house. Chances are, if you think you ferret proofed your house, you did not. Um, they will escape. They will, you know, crawl through things, get stuck places they shouldn't, get stuck in the couch. That happens too. Um, so you have to make sure you're watching them con constantly. Um, so uh, ferret proof, and then they'll show you where you didn't ferret proof, and then you've got to ferret proof again. Um, most of the time, these guys are kept in large enclosures with lots of hammocks and climbing things, um, typically a vertical enclosure that they can climb up and down. Um, most of the time, they're sleeping in hammocks or, you know, snuggling or, or whatnot. Um, they do like to be in groups, but they can be by themselves, so that's not the end of the world. Um, I don't think I mentioned that earlier. And... Um, yeah, um, most of the time they're in their uh, enclosure, they're in their cage, um, and then they're let out for an hour or two a day. And that's perfectly, that's a perfectly acceptable life for a ferret. Um, you're not doing them harm by having them kept that way. I have heard of ferrets being free roaming 24-7. That's usually not ideal because they do get into things they're not supposed to. Um so I thought I would tell you um, my favorite ferret story. My favorite ferret story um, entails a ferret um, who shall remain nameless because he did start a house fire. Um, this ferret uh, lived with a bunch of other ferrets um, and I don't I don't remember all of the details. It did happen a year and a half ago. But this ferret did start a house fire. Um, the family got out. Uh, the other ferrets didn't make it, but this ferret in particular did make it out. It was found by the firefighters on the front lawn, um, and it was brought to me two days later. Burns all over the body, um, and we worked really hard to save this ferret. Just like a human burned in a fire, it's months and months of rehab and wound care and, and you know, you know, changing bandages and, and doing all this stuff. And these owners were so diligent. They drove three hours to come and see me once a week for, I think, a month and a half. I think it was six weeks total that we did this. We ended up keeping the ferret in hospital um, the first week um, to try and keep it alive and, and you know deal with what was so severe. And initially, I didn't think this ferret was going to make it. 
Um, and, and I actually recommended euthanasia. I said, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, we can put the spirit down. You know, this is going to be a long haul recovery if it makes it. And the owners were like, we have to try. We have to try. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, and the spirit, you know, she did pull through. She, she, it was a long recovery. She lost, uh, one foot. Um, she had a nub for the other side. Um, and she did grow back a a few toes. She ended up having, getting to keep a a couple of feet and, and a few toes. Um, and you know, she healed remarkably well. So, Ferrets can be resilient. They can come back from things that even your, even your veterinarian doesn't think they're going to come back from. Um, but it was a remarkable story, and it was one of my favorite cases I've ever had. Um, and uh, she's still alive, and she's doing well, and she's living her best life with her family. So um, that is my favorite ferret story, in case, uh, in case anybody cared. <laughs> um all right. And that's all I have. So, um, there you go. Everything you need to know about ferrets. And, um, if you choose to have a ferret as your pet, um, I hope you're living life with your best pet. Thanks and have a good day. Bye. Y'all, thank you so much for listening in. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Uh, If you found it helpful, send it to somebody you think it would help too. Um, You can like, comment, share this pod on Insta. It's your best pet pod. Um, And if you love this podcast, five stars only, please, at the bottom. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. It helps the pod grow and reach more people. Until next time, hope you're living life with your best pet. We'll see you next week.